All right. Thank you, Nina, Nino, for being with us again this week to lead us in worship. Man, we're so blessed uh, to have you and to have, have another wonderful experience today as we gather to worship King Jesus. Man, I don't know if you've thought about this. We're one week away from Baptism Sunday. We talked about it a minute ago. Uh, but this next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is Baptism Sunday. For the last four weeks, we've been talking about this idea of what does it mean to be baptized? Uh, what does it mean to be able to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I just want to start by saying that if you're thinking about this, if you're having a conversation with someone about this, uh, we're praying for you, uh, but also we're ready for you. Uh, If you're thinking about it, we've got these baptism cards. Uh, We would love for you to fill that out and give us one of our ministers or elders so we can know kind of where you are in your heart, your life, your mind, so we can talk with you and be prepared for next Sunday. Come find us after and give us this. Or just come say, hey, I'm thinking about getting baptized next week. So we can plan and prepare for that next week as we get ready uh, for worship next week. But also, you need to know, we've got towels in the back. So we got you. If you get wet, which you will, we're going to dry you off. We're going to heat the water. It's going to be nice and warm. It's going to be fantastic. We've, if you don't have clothes to wear, we've got these beautiful, nice, dark blue scrubs that you can't even see through them if they get wet. You can wear these. And even, even to do you one better, we've got, not, this is not like a promo, like you get this, but you do. Like if you get baptized, we're going to give you a t-shirt so the whole world will know that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And by the way, we have lots of these. So for the next few years, you're going to see these as people step into the waters. And every time you see it, you can hug this person and say, man, God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Can I get an amen? We are praying for next week, and I'm serious about this. I want you church to be praying about this, because I know there are people in the room that for whatever reason haven't taken that next step of faith, and we believe, we believe this is so important. We believe it for a lot of reasons, and I know some of you still have questions, and later this week I'll be sending out an email to ask some, uh, to answer some of those uh, questions that people ask most often, but this morning what I thought would be most helpful, instead of spending, you know, the next 30 minutes going through an FAQ, is maybe to share a few stories with you. And so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to invite three people, three of my favorite people up at the stage this morning, to share with you their baptism stories. So I'm going to invite Drew McBride, one of our elders, uh, Alicia, uh, my wife, and also uh, Aaron Templer, one of, our, one of our students, to come up. And for the next few minutes, we're just going to share uh, some of our stories, some of their stories, of, of what it was like when they were, were baptized. So if you guys want to grab one of these and sit however you want to sit. We did not rehearse this. Thank you, Aaron. So, yeah, yeah, take a seat. Um, at least you have the microphone, I believe. And so let's let Drew start, actually. Um, what I've asked these guys to do, and, and again, we haven't practiced this, but I, I've asked them each to take a moment to kind of tell you their baptism story. So, Drew, what I'd love for you to do, because I, I know a bit of your story, but, but share with the church your story. Uh, sort of, you know, how old were you? What was the circumstances around it? Who were the people? What was the turning point? And how did you make this decision to, to be baptized? Sure. Um, my family didn't go to church growing up. Uh, you can maybe count on one hand the number of times I had gone to church uh, uh, prior to college. Uh, those times were usually following the death of a family member, aunt or an uncle or something like that. We'd go to church maybe. All the way through high school, I was uh, trying to fit in. I didn't like standing out. I just uh, wanted to, to be like everybody else, wanted to be popular, was trying to date you know, pretty girls. Uh, that, that was me. I was just trying to fit in. In college, um, I liked to go to a discotheque. I graduated high school in 76, so this would be 77 or 78. So disco was big, and I know you're having a hard time uh, visualizing this. <laughs> <laughs> a really hard time, but uh, 
But I had the, uh, the cream color polyester shirt and the silk shoes and the plat- uh, silk shirt and platform shoes, and I loved to hustle. <laughs> it's, yeah. So uh, line dancing uh, for, in, uh, for disco. And uh, I was ac- actually at a, a bar. This was in Texas, and you could drink alcohol when you were 18 at that time. And uh, drinking wasn't a big deal to me, but everybody else was doing it, and so that's what I was doing because I wanted to stand in. I was actually at a discotheque, was really there to hustle, uh, but uh, was uh, also drinking. Uh, not to excess, but I was drinking. And, uh, but I, there was a young lady that was there that uh, uh, she was there to dance, but uh, she wasn't drinking alcohol, which I thought well, was a little different. Uh, so we, uh, we, we danced uh, together, I guess, line dancing, if that's dancing together. But uh, So anyway, so I got to know her, and uh, I thought she was uh, unique because she was kind of standing out. She wasn't trying to, to be like everybody else. I actually started going to church with her. Uh, it was a Church of Christ, and I didn't know what Church of Christ meant, uh, so I started going with her, and I actually started studying with the uh, associate minister there, and you know, I kind of come to realize that I was trying to fit in, and, uh, but it felt kind of hollow, right? I kept thinking there had to be something else, something more than just trying to, to be popular or uh, just try to fit in, and I really liked what, uh, what I was learning about uh, living differently, living for a higher purpose, living for a, a higher cause. And uh, so continued study, and it was one Sunday night. It's kind of a big deal for me to not uh, to, to give up 60 minutes to come to church. But uh, uh, so I was there. I had been studying for quite some time. The invitation song comes around, and uh, but I don't get up at that time. I'm Again, I'm just kind of not wanting to stand out. But I, after it was over, I was thinking, man, I thought I was ready. I was, I was you know, should have done it. And sure enough, a person uh, that was with me that had been studying said, I kind of thought you were going to get up uh, this time. And I said, I, I should have. And he said, well, let's do it. So they called everybody back in after Sunday night, and uh, I was baptized that evening. And, you know, I remember uh, going into the, the waters and that sound you hear with the bubbles, uh, if, you, if you can remember that, just the warm water being, you know, the, the sound that you hear. And then when they pull you back up, the surface of the water breaks my face, and I feel the waters run off me. And it was uh, it's like my old life being washed away at that time. I, I just felt it drain off of me, my old life. And... Uh, it was 20 when I was uh, baptized, and I, for me, kind of rejoice in that, that, uh, that I can see, for me, the difference in my life before and after that. Since then, I've tried to live a purposeful life, tried to not necessarily fit in, but tried to live a different life, a life that uh, would point to, uh, to Jesus rather than to myself. Thank you, Drew. Alicia, I'm going to skip you. We're going to go to Aaron. I'm going to save the best for last. Yeah. Sweet. See what I did there? Aaron, you were baptized last year? Am I remember that um, correctly? Two, two years ago? Yeah. Feels like last year. Good deal. But you weren't baptized here. You have a little bit different story. So yes. share with us your story. Okay. Well, so I grew up here. I'm still growing up here, I guess. Um, but we went on, started going on mission trips to Honduras and the Dominican. And I had always really struggled with what is, like, my purpose here. Like, why am I 
doing like what I'm doing? Like, how am I supposed to be living my life? And so being in the Dominican, I saw that the life everyone lives there and the joy that they have is found in the Lord. And so I really just wanted to um, live with the meaning that I'm living for God and everything I do is um, for him. And so I wanted to be baptized um, to continue my faith and make it grow um, by someone who had meant a lot to me and helped me grow in my spiritual life um, and who had just been an example of a great Christian woman. And so that was Rhonda Colum. And so I asked her to baptize me and made her cry when I asked her. And then um, um, so we went and I was going to be baptized in the Dominican on our mission trip, not this past summer, but the one before. And... um, there had been some tropical storm, and I don't remember what it was called, but we had gone, taken the children's home there to the beach, and it was pouring rain, so we're like, well, we probably shouldn't do that because the waves are really bad, but it had stopped raining for like 10 minutes that it took for the baptism, and then right after that, it poured rain again, and it was really crazy, so we're, it was pretty crazy like that, um, and that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's that. Oh, that's great. I, I love that because, you know, Drew, you're baptized a little bit later in life, more in an adult there. Uh, you know, Aaron, for you, growing up in this church, you know, for you, your baptism was a, a landmark moment in your journey of faith. And, I, and I, love, I love the contrast there, but I love how both stories uh, have a real impact on, on that moment of faith, that decision for you. So, Alicia, if you don't mind, share, I know your story really well, but, uh, but most of our church doesn't. So, yeah, share, share your story. Um, well, people are... Um always surprised sometimes to hear my story. Um, so I'll share a little bit of it today. Um, I grew up in a church just like this, a Church of Christ Church. Um, my dad was a deacon. Um, we worked with, he worked with teenagers. There were teenagers always in our house. Um, and then whenever I was getting close to entering middle school, um, my whole world kind of turned upside down. Um, my dad, um, had decided that, um, he wanted some change in his life. And, um, my parents were divorcing. And so for me at that age, it was, um, it was huge because I was right at that stage where I was starting to figure things out. And, um, you know, this God that I've been worshiping my whole life, you know, I I sort of, when I look back at that pre-divorce, I feel like I was in a bubble, if that makes sense. Like I lived in this little bubble of perfect. It wasn't perfect, but it felt perfect. Um, and then when all of that happened, I feel like the, the bubble burst and I was like, what, what is, what, what is up? What is down? Nothing made sense anymore. Um, and so because of that, I had a lot of questions for God. Um, it wasn't that, um, that I didn't believe in him, but I was really upset with him, um, and really angry with him that, um, that he had taken my world away and destroyed what was normal for me. Um, and so I spent, um, years battling with God. Um, he never left me. Um, I, this morning, the song, um, as I was praying, um, uh, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling that, that song just came to me when I was praying. And I thought that's exactly what he was doing all those years. Um, from, from the time I was a baby until still now, he's still calling me, but, but those teen years, I, I did rebel a little bit. Um, I, I was, I was just angry. Um, I was still at church. I was there every Sunday with the teenagers. I did what I was supposed to do. Um, but I just had a lot of questions. Um, so for me, uh, my senior year rolled around and and there were times where I felt like, oh, I really want to be baptized, but now I'm kind of too old. Like I'm like 16 and all my friends were baptized in middle school and 
like now it's awkward. Like, oh, by the way, you know, I, I felt a little weird about that um, because it wasn't normal, I guess. I, not that there, now I know there is no normal, but it felt, I felt too old. Um, so I went on a senior trip. Um, our youth minister planned. It was a one-time event he did. I don't. Again, I think it was God. But he um, he decided let's do this fun senior trip. But we're not going on a youth rally. We're just going to go to St. Louis. We're going to catch a game. We're going to go to a theme park. We're just going to have some fun. One last fun thing. And he asked me if I would go, and I was like, well, sure, that sounds great. I'm all about fun. So um, I sign up, go on the trip. We're at dinner in Olive Garden, um, hanging out. Everybody's laughing, talking, and they, they make some joke about drinking. We should take some wine from here for communion. Ha, 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 wouldn't that be funny? And, and I laughingly said, well, the one time the church is going to drink, and I can't partake. And, <laughs> and, and they laughed. They were like, wait a minute, you're not you haven't been baptized? You know, I'm, at this age, I'm 18. I'm, they all assumed that I was at some point. Um, and one of the, the students that was on the trip was a year older, but had come as kind of a mentor. And he was sitting directly across from me. And he looked at me and he was like, why not? Why have you not been baptized? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, we need to do this. Like, you believe, right? And I said, yes. Well, of course I believe. I, I've, I've done this my whole life. It's like, well, we need to do this. Do you want to do this? And I was like, I think I want to do this. And, and we did. Um, we went back to the hotel that night. Um, they went down. They are like, there's a pool. Um, the funny part of the story is it was really cold. And I said, I'm not getting in that water. Um, I, was a little, I still am a little bit of a girly girl. So um, we got in the hot tub. I was like, I'll do the hot tub. So... <laughs> The youth minister was like, well, we have to turn the bubbles off at least. So we did that. Um, my, um, my whole senior class was in the, the hot tub around me, and everyone baptized um, me together. Um, and, and the other kind of funny side of the story is well, I, the church that I grew up in was very um, traditional, very conservative. So a, a man would baptize me in a communion, I mean a, commun- uh, a baptism place like this. Baptistry, thank you. Baptistry. Um, Not in a pool, or a pool might be okay, but definitely not a hot tub. So there was a lot of debate about did my baptism count, and did did I need to do it again? And I just laughed because I was 18. I was like, I don't care what you think. I've been baptized. So um, so I do feel like um, all those years... um, that you know, that time where I was kind of a little bit lost and a little bit of a rebel and stubborn. Oh, I was so still am so stubborn. Um, he was gently and softly calling me over and over again, saying, "Alicia, I'm here. I'm here. I've never left your side. Your world changed. Your whole world changed. And I'm so sorry, but I have never left your side. And I love you. And and I will never leave you." What, what I love about Alicia's story especially is that, you know, someone looked her in the eye and said, hey, are you ready to do this? And, and I, I know in the room today there's, you know, there's people that need to be looked in the eye by somebody and just ask the question, you know, are you ready? I think you're ready. Are you ready? And they need someone to love them enough to ask them the question and to walk with them to the baptistry or to the pool, the hot tub, wherever it is, and, uh, and step into those waters. So can, can we say thank you for these guys sharing their stories? Yeah. I hope you're as encouraged as I am to hear those stories. Uh, These are the stories that um, remind us that all of us come to the water uh, in a different way, and that's okay. Uh, God is working in your life, in your story. We fully believe that. 
But wherever you are in your journey, uh, if you've never taken this step of faith, this is a step of faith. This is a part of your spiritual journey. We haven't had time to to walk through every story uh, in in the book of Acts where we see the church starting and being formed and people coming to, to Jesus. But in every story, every story of someone coming to faith, baptism is a part of their story. And so for you, if, if, if you have not taken this step of faith, this is what we're praying for. Uh, that if you're ready, that you'll take this next step of faith. You'll step into the waters and you'll see God wash away your sins and enter into this new life. You know, when you think about it, probably one of the, the questions that never goes away, that people are always asking and debating and never getting answers to, at least none that satisfy it seems like, is that question, is there life after death. Uh, this, this week I was wondering about that question again, so I did what everybody would do. I went on to Google and asked Google because Google knows. And Google gave me over 34 million results, and I'm just not that fast of a reader. But I can tell you, and you could probably guess what Google said. At a first glance, it, it gave me all the normal answers you would expect. Some people believe that when you die, you're dead, you're done. That's it. There is no more. Like, this life is all there is. It's the, you know, eat, sleep, and be merry mindset. Go ahead and live it up because this is all there is. And when you die, you're dead, you're done, it's over. Some people believe maybe there is life after death, but they don't know what that looks like. Maybe your consciousness goes on or your life force, your energy somehow moves on from this place to something else they don't really know. Some people believe, well, at least if you watch a dog's purpose, that your pets are reincarnated. And that's really good news for those of us who love our dogs. <gasps> but there's lots of debate about it, right? And even people who believe in God, they can't get on the same page. Uh, Even people believe in God who believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. They're not really sure how all this works out in the afterlife. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of debate, a a lot of disagreement about what happens. And is there life after death? So I did the next thing people do, and I went to Amazon because I thought maybe somebody's written a book about this, right? Yeah, they have actually. There are over 10,000 on the first search I did. And, And as you might expect, some of the exact same ideas popped up along with some new ideas. There's several books written by people who have actually died, gone to heaven, and come back to tell us what it's all about. Isn't that fantastic? You know? And people, mostly Bible-believing Christians, buy these books by the millions to, to form a theology and a faith and an idea about the afterlife, about life after death. Even though these books, if we're just being honest, are largely fictional. According to the biblical account, no one ever died and went to heaven and came back. That includes Lazarus, who was dead for four days, right? In fact, last week we read it, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, in John 3, 13. Jesus said, no one's ever gone to heaven and come back except for the Son of Man who has been in heaven and came down from heaven to earth. He's the only one that ever did that, right? Only four biblical authors give us uh, insight into heaven uh, because they had a vision from God of heaven. None of them, uh, the, none of these were near-death experiences. They were all visions given from God, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Paul, John, they all tell us about it, but they were all visions that God had given them. And all of them, all they can talk about is the awesomeness and the glory and the holiness of God. That's all they can, they can't stop talking about it, right? This is a question that that we keep coming back to, keep bumping in against. People want to know, is there life after death? And if so, what does that look like? And the church has used that, right? Uh, We've taken that and we've leveraged that unknown We've leveraged that fear because people, if we're honest, people are scared of dying. People are afraid of death. And what we've done in religious circles is use that to leverage people to get them into church or get them into the waters of baptism. And I wonder if all along, if we haven't somehow misunderstood the point, have we somehow missed it? 
If you have your Bibles, if you have a device, you can open that up. I want, you to, I want to give you a minute to look uh, up Titus. This is a really small uh, book in the New Testament. It's actually not a book, it's a letter, uh, the letter of Titus. It's written, as you might expect, to a guy named Titus uh, from a guy named Paul. And we've talked about Paul a lot before. You may have heard us talk about Paul. Paul was at one time in his life one of the guys that was persecuting the church, trying to shut down Christianity, stop the whole Jesus movement, until one day when he actually met Jesus, and Jesus completely turned his life around. Paul goes on to start churches, plant churches, write you know, nearly half of your New Testament. And Paul wrote this letter to this guy named Titus, someone who at one point had, had traveled with Paul. They had done church work together. Now Titus is on the island of Crete. Now Crete is a large island, you may know, off the coast of Greece. What you may not know is they say that Crete was the birthplace of Zeus. So you can imagine what a guy like Titus was up against trying to start a church, a church of Jesus followers, in a place where people worship Zeus, where they think it's the birthplace of Zeus. And what I want you to hear really is a couple of things. But first, I want to just read the first couple of verses of Titus. Titus 1, verses 1 and 2. Because I want you to hear the way Paul sets up this letter to his friend Titus. And I want you to hear the way he talks about life after death. He says this in Titus 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This whole letter, Paul's going to give Titus instructions to teach the, the believers on the island of, island of Crete how to follow Jesus, how to live godly lives. In verse 2 he says this truth. This truth gives them confidence that, get this, hear the way he says this, that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them from before the world began. Paul tells them in the very beginning, he sets up his entire letter on this one premise, right? That, that those, he wants to give them the truth that, that, that gives them confidence that they already have eternal life. This is contrary to what culture says. Contrary to what maybe those who are believers in Zeus, you know, think. That those who are believers in Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, for those who have faith in Jesus, for those who believe in Jesus, this is the truth. They already have it. They already have eternal life. That's the way that Paul starts out this entire letter. The eternal life for those who believe in Jesus is something that you already, already possess. And then he says this, fast forward to Titus 2, verse 11. And he tells Titus this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinless pleasures. This is what Paul wants to tell Titus to communicate to believers, right? And I think this, this works for us today too, right? Uh, that what has to happen in your life and in my life as people who believe in Jesus, people who put our faith in Jesus, people who already have eternal life, is that we have to keep turning. Keep turning away from godless living and sinful pleasures, I've told you before, I'm literally the worst person in the world when it comes to the directions. You know, I take a GPS to get home and I live five minutes away. And so often I'll get lost in thought and I'll find myself going the wrong direction. And I have to literally make a U-turn to go the right direction. Paul says, this is what it is to follow Jesus. That, that what you and I have to do is we have to keep turning, keep making U-turns away from godless living so we can turn back towards God-filled living, right? This is what the call is. To turn. And here's why. 
He said we should live in this evil world, this broken world, this fallen world where everything seems to go wrong. We should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. This is the God-filled life, right? This is the God-filled life. It's turning away from godless living, and it's turning towards God-filled living where we are literally cleansed, where we are giving a new identity as the sons and daughters of God. But Paul knew what Titus was up against. And honestly, he was up against people just like you and me. L- listen to what he says next in Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. He says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. I read these words this week and I thought, was Paul writing this 2,000 years ago? Or was he writing it yesterday, right? I mean, how many times... How many times have you acted foolishly? How many times in the last 48 hours have you lived in direct disobedience to what you know God wanted you to do? And should I even ask how often you find yourself struggling against lust and sinful pleasure? How many times are we struggling with things like envy, evil? And I don't even have to say the word hate. It feels like we live in a time right now in our culture, in our world, where hate is just on the rise. And this was life, this is life, before Christ, right? This is what the world looks like without Christ. This is, li- this is the life of God-less living. And God is telling, uh, Paul is telling Titus, tell the church, turn. Make a U-turn away, I love the way Drew said it, from from that old life, from that old way of living, and turn to God-filled living. Paul says it this way in verse 4. He says, When God our Savior revealed His kindness and His love, He saved us. Not because, and you got to get this, church, not because of the righteous things we have done. It wasn't because of anything you did or I did. There's literally nothing that I could do, nothing you can do to save yourself when you find yourself on that last day standing before a perfect and holy God. There's not one word you can speak in your defense. I I, I know this is hard for us because we live in the land of opportunity where you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and make your own way. But when you're standing before a holy God, you can't give an account for all the good you did and think it will even become begin to measure against the goodness of God. There is literally nothing you or I could do to save ourselves, to defend ourselves. But God can. And here's why God wants to save you because of his mercy because of his mercy you see you may not have known this god god is kind but he is not soft god is loving but he 
Justice is required, right? God is kind, but he is not soft. And he wants to save you, and he wants to save you because of his love and his mercy and his grace and his compassion. And that's why he said that he gave his son Jesus. God loved and God gave. And through the giving of his son Jesus on the cross, you and I, you and I are cleansed. And you and I are given a new identity in Christ. And here's how this works. The very next line says, He, God, washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is it. This is the whole thing. This is the one that you need to underline and highlight. And maybe you need to text this verse to a friend. That he, God, washed away our sins, gave us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus washes away our sins. He washes away our sins. He gives us new birth. He gives us new life. And all of this happens through the Holy Spirit. It's all about his grace. It's all about his incredible kindness And and, and he says that because of this, we will inherit this eternal life. You know who inherits things? I'm no lawyer. I'm no expert. But it seems to me that most of the people that inherit things are called heirs. And most of the times, the heirs are the children. And if we're going to inherit eternal life from God, then that means that we are heirs of God. That means that we are the children of God. That means that we are the sons and daughters of God. And that as the sons and daughters, as the sons and daughters, we get to inherit Eternal life from God. When our sins are washed away. When we're cleansed. When we walk through the waters of baptism. And we receive receive that new birth. And that new life in those waters. You know what I love about Drew and Alicia and Aaron's story? Is they're all alive today. They're all living the baptized life, and so they're all alive. Because the baptized life is literally life after death. The baptized life is literally eternal life. To live the baptized life means that you've already lived, you've already stepped into eternal life. You've already, this is a mystery and it blows our minds, but it's so true. That's why Paul would later say, or, or, or say to another church in Galatia, in Galatians 2.20, he said, my old self has been crucified, literally died with Christ. I have already died. I've already been crucified. My life is already over. The old self has already died. My old self has been crucified, died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the baptized life. The baptized life, you know what it is? It's life after death. There is life for those, there is life after death for those who have already died. And what happens when you step into the waters of baptism is you already die. You step into those waters. And the old self dies. And you're buried with Christ in baptism. You're literally buried alive. And then you're resurrected to new life. And you become a new person, a new creation. You receive a new identity. You become something entirely new. There is life after death for those who have already died. 
And it's called the baptized life. It's the life where literally everything changes because of our belief in Jesus as the Son of God. And that's what we're asking. We're asking if for whatever reason you haven't decided to take that step of faith into the waters of baptism, would you take that step? Would you allow the old self to die? Would you allow yourself to be crucified with Christ, to be buried underwater, and then be resurrected to brand new life? Because this is God's desire for you. His desire is to wash away your sin, to cleanse you, to make you new, and to resurrect you through this new birth into new life. And for those of us who have stepped through those waters, it's a call to remember. It's a call to remember that something died in those waters. Something was washed away in those waters. And to go on and live in it any longer just doesn't make any sense. We need to let what died be dead and what was resurrected live. And that's the call of the gospel. Church, if you would, let's let's stand together. So 2,000 years ago, on this Sunday, they call it Palm Sunday because Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which literally means God saves or Savior. But just a short moment later, they would be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. They were laying down palm branches in front of his feet for him to walk on. But in the blink of an eye, they would be hammering nails through his hands and his feet. He entered Jerusalem like some royalty. But moments later, he would be leaving Jerusalem, carrying a cross on his bloody back like a common criminal. And they would take him out of Jerusalem and they would crucify him. Literally nail him to a cross. And on that Friday, Jesus died. He literally died. He died and his disciples, they fled. His enemies, they celebrated. His friends, they wept. But on that Friday, he died. And two guys, Joseph and Nicodemus, came and they took his body down from the cross. And they buried him in a tomb. And Jesus laid there for three days. No life in his body. But you know how the story ends, and next Sunday we'll celebrate it. Because that Sunday morning, Jesus got up. God the Father raised him up, and he walked out of that grave. And the tomb is still empty. And Jesus proved that day that there is life after death, because Jesus is alive. And what Jesus wants for you and me is for us to step into that very same resurrection life. So we're going to sing a song. And this will be the last song we sing. And our elders have already made their way around the room. I see them right now standing around the edges. 
And if you want to take that step and be baptized next Sunday, then I would love for you to go find one of them or come find me and just say, hey, I'm ready. If you're standing by someone who needs, the, needs you to look them in the eye, like someone looked my wife in the eye when she was 18 years old and said, are you ready? Do that. Have the, have the courage and the faith to do that. Love that person enough to do that either today or this week. Do that. Because it's too important. It matters too much. And if he needs to pray for you, because for whatever reason, you made this decision at once upon a time, but your life has gone off the rails, and you need to come back to the, the baptized life. You need to step back into the resurrection life of Jesus. Hey, we can pray for you for that as well. But may we remember that the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. There is life after death for those who have already died, and it's called the baptized life. And it is life in Christ. Let's sing.